My name is Lois and this is my dad, Matthew. And my name is Matthew and this is my daughter, Lois. Hello, Dad. Hi, darling. Very good to uh, to be chatting to you again. Very good. This is first week with a guest. Very exciting. And our first guest is... Our first guest is the unstoppable Pruleith. Dame Pruleith, if you don't mind. Dame Pruleith. Uh, who, of course, I got to know really well when we were co-judges for the Great British Menu for a good many years before she went on to become Queen of the Great British Bake Off. <laughs> and her CV of achievements doesn't stop there. It's mind-boggling. It seems almost endless. Uh, she's certainly not stopping yet. They've included novelist, cookery writer, cookery school founder and restaurateur, among others. Caterer, broadcaster, journalist, campaigner, from improving sandwiches on the British Rail to encouraging children to get interested in cooking and improving hospital food. We chat on these and lots of other matters. Oh, oh yes, and um, how I sacked her. Unfortunately, some references have been overtaken by events. We simply couldn't keep up with all the changes in government. True, Leith. What a joy to see you. <laughs> Matthew, it's lovely to see you, as always. It's a, it was, it's a little bit of a change. I think from the last time I saw you, you were thigh deep in the gushing waters of the River Spey. I know, wasn't it wonderful? <laughs> it was just, it was really was. It's but you time. caught fish, which is more than I did. <laughs> Uh, I'd be very modest about it, though. I'm not, I wasn't going to mention that at all. Yeah, no, you were one of you were one of the only three people who did <laughs> the whole week. And I haven't seen you pro. I think since the since the GBM days when I used to come yes, occasionally on a Friday and come to the and say studio, hello at the yeah, end of filming. Yeah, that's right. So it's been a, a long time. How are you? I'm absolutely fine. And you, you, Good. you, and I mean, you've just done all sorts of things since I saw you last. Probably. <laughs> It's been far too long. Well, she's grown up <laughs> I'm very, I, I'm, I'm excited by all the copies of this that I can see in the background. Do you yeah, want your I book? Know. I've got to sign them all. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I'm very delighted about it because they've got up, I think yesterday they were number 15 on Amazon, so. Oh, fantastic. It's quite good. Well, we're going to, we're, we're definitely going to talk about that. I thought maybe it'd be quite nice just for the listeners to explain, other than the obvious GBM, um, maybe to ask you both how you know each other. How we know each other. Well, I think, actually, Matthew, didn't we meet on Great British Menu? Oh, no, no, of course not, because no, you Bruce, sacked me. I remember before. when you sacked me. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've always denied this, but it's true. He sacked me because I was... From where? From The Guardian, because I was the food writer, and I used to do um, do it every week, and then I decided I couldn't manage it every week, so I did it fortnight, and then I went down to once a month, and by then... Matthew was the editor, and he thought, this is ridiculous. She's getting paid much too much money for only one. <laughs> one. She was getting paid more than I was. That did not seem and I was only, <laughs> And I was only doing one day a week and one day a month. So um, so he, he sacked me, and, and that wouldn't that would have been bad enough, but then he hired my brother instead. <laughs> I thought that's even worse. <laughs> I must say, it was always a joy to turn to the Leith family for really quality writing. So <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank good. you. Um, but I think actually we met is when you had a restaurant 
because I used yeah. to used to go to the restaurant. Didn't it? it was in yeah, Kensington yeah. Church Street, Kensington Park Road. Kensington Park Road. Yeah. Uh, and I remember I have a I have a vivid memory of that because you used to have chairs on casters, didn't you? Yeah, in there. we did. We were and rather I, crazy. And they also had. A, a a pudding trolley, a dessert trolley, which is yeah. oh, I love that. And one day, I was taking a young woman to to, to Leeds to show off, and I pushed my chair on the casters rather sharply. I shot backwards just at the moment the dessert trolley was travelling behind me, and I hit it absolutely amidships. I, mean, I can't tell you the mess it was made. Did you get a second date? <laughs> Dear reader, we shall draw a veil over what we were. <laughs> anyway, no, but it was GBM, yeah. really, was what wasn't it? That was that we yeah, yeah. for twelve yeah. years. Got, yeah, eleven years. Yeah, and then we became friends. But you stayed much longer than me. Well, I stayed a bit longer. It was never quite the same without to prove because you know, we had. <laughs> <laughs> no, we did have fun. It was we were a very good trio, I think. And then you went on to on to GB uh, on to GBB. As opposed to GBM, yeah, to the famous Bake Off. How did you find? How was the? You know, how what was the change like? How how was the transition from one show to another? Um, well, there was a ghastly gap in between when I did another program, which I didn't really enjoy very much, um, and um, so it was a relief to go back to judging properly. You know, to doing what I mm-hmm. knew I could do, and um, but I didn't think they'd hire me for um, Bake Off because Mary Berry. Um, had been was such a sort of icon, and um, I thought they won't dare have another old lady. You know, they won't. They'll they'll go for some trendy young dude. You know, who'd <laughs> probably a chap. You know, uh, so I didn't think they'd hire me, um, but they did, and I think they just thought, well, the formula worked with Mary, so why wouldn't it work with you know? Proof? Well, I have to say, and it does. I mean, it, and it's lovely fun. Yeah, I like it. Is it is it how different is it from GBM days? Well, GBM was much more difficult, darling, because you know we had, if you remember, they would do four courses, Maybe. and we'd have to taste them all, and they'd all have a hundred things on the plate. I mean, you know what chefs are like; they can't resist it. There's you know, there's a little um, a blob of this, and there's a drizzle yeah, of that, and there's a squirt bit of, of that, and a, a bit yeah, of foam, yeah. and 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 five or six different vegetables, all treated amazingly. And so you have to taste everything, whereas with cake, by and large, it's cake, icing, and filling. End of story. Mm. Yeah, it's a lot, lot less taxing on the, on the stomach. I remember taxing. speaking to Dad after the judging yeah. days, and he was always absolutely exhausted and usually going to the pub for a pint and then off to bed. Well, I have to tell you that that fellow, your father, always astonished me because while I was having my makeup done, he would be eating breakfast, and then he'd have a chocolate bar, and then we'd eat our way through the whole day, and then he'd have lunch with the crew, and then we'd eat our way through the afternoon, and then he'd go out to dinner. Yeah. I mean, I think that is a pardonable exaggeration. <laughs> I tell you what, I I really admired you because well, I used to actually used to in fact have a snooze in between the the the, 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 the two uh, blocks of filming. Yeah. I'd lie down, and contemplate my ever expanding stomach. You <laughs> used to sit there. Tapping eyes, another chapter of one of your novels or the next book or whatever it happened to be. I, your productivity, I'm afraid to say, put me to shame. Well, darling, you can relax now because I tell you what, I do like that afternoon kip now. <laughs> In fact, Francisca, my, my PA, who you know, Francisca, she, she now builds into my diary an afternoon kip. 
So, <laughs> how very sensible both of you. Very sensible. Yeah, absolutely. And just thinking, I'm just quickly thinking about when you were talking about how dad would eat on top of the fact that he was having to judge food. And, and dad told me this hilarious story. I think it must have been after you left when, I think it was, when Connie Huck went on. Oh, yes. It was after Prune left. She's so slight. But apparently, you know, and she's a very slight person. She she came on, she bought her own packed lunch, which she ate during the lunch break on top of eating all of the food. I think it's amazing. She, well, she had breakfast. She had four four courses of food, then she had lunch, then she had four more courses of food, and then she had fish and chips on the way home. <laughs> I mean, Amazing. that woman is a goddess. Anyway, what, do, what do you think is the success behind GBM? Why is it so popular? GBB, I think you mean. GBB, Bake Off. Um, I think the success of Bake Off is because it's a kind of escape for everybody because it is so kind. Nobody's rude to anybody. Nobody's horrible to anybody. And it's, you know, you're safe there. It's totally unchallenging. You know, most of the time when you watch telly, you're either watching thrillers or even children's television has to be incredibly exciting all the time. Everything is, it's full of stress. It may be good stress, stress you like, like being scared or whatever. But you know, with Bake Off, it's totally relaxing. Nobody's going to be horrible. And um, you know, it's like a warm blanket. Warm blanket of cake. Yes, yeah. And who doesn't like it's it? A really, it's a really good point, actually, because there's so much TV that we watch that is really, you know, that kind of brings out the worst in people, whereas this is the kind of show that brings out the best in yeah, people. I think so. And it's also, um, it's, just, it's just a relief. I mean, we all live, live fairly busy if not stressful lives, they're pretty stressful and getting more and more stressful. Um, so it's nice to have a bit of you know, safety, safety and cake. And do you have a naturally sweet tooth? Um, not very. I don't, I don't normally order puddings in restaurants and I don't eat chocolates ever. You know, I mean, I don't eat sweets and stuff between meals. Yeah. I'm not a great snacker, but um, yes, I mean, I like cake a lot. Anyway, so which brings us very rather neatly onto toast, toast mm. or rather bliss on toast. Bliss on toast, yeah. I want to make and eat all of this. I was um, I was going through it yesterday when I got the copy with my boyfriend who's from up north and, if possible, can turn any single plate of food into either something on bread or as a sandwich. So this is right up his alley. <laughs> um, good, good. And what I loved is that actually, you know, these are all whole meals on toast. Yeah. You know, you've, you've you've got the element of the bread and the toast and that experience, but they're you know they're substantial meals and and you can really play around with it, which is which is which is fun. And and also they're not very expensive. I mean, some of them are. You know, there's one with fillet steak on top, which is not going to be cheap. But but most of them are made out of either leftovers or um, things that aren't all that expensive. You magazine, um, for some reason. I suppose because of the financial crisis going on, they decided to cost them. Oh. So they they published about half a dozen recipes. I think about actually, I think they did about twelve um, recipes from the book, and they cost costed them all per portion. And they were just one or two of them were over a pound, like one pound ten. Wow! But most of them were under a pound. Gosh! So so it's you know of course it's a little bit cheating because if you buy a chicken. Um, it's true that the you know the two ounces of chicken or the three ounces of chicken you end up on top of your toast may not cost a lot, but the whole chicken cost a lot. But my theory is you should never throw away leftovers. So 
as most of it's about what to do with the leftovers. <laughs> well, well, I must say, what, the one that caught my eye, and it particularly tempted me, was uh, bubble and squeak with hollandaise sauce on fried bread. <laughs> I know. And, and, you know, that is carbs on carbs with a lot of, I know, it's not, it's not, the, <laughs> that is not part of my diet, I have to tell you. <laughs> but as, it is absolutely delicious. And um, yeah. it's very funny because... Um, my husband, as you know, um, Matthew is John is um, Scott, is a Scot, and so whenever I turn up with bubble and, and squeak, he says, "Oh, stovies!" And I say, "That's not stovies. Stovies are meant to be lumps of potato with gravy and and turnips in there and stuff." But as far as John's concerned, anything that goes in a frying pan that is potato, mostly potato, is is a stovie. So, um, but and I do like. I mean, you know. My mother used to call that sort of food a sludge, only she was very bad at it because she would put anything that was in the fridge into a frying pan and heat it up together and stir it around. And honestly, you need to have a little sense. You need to think what goes <laughs> what goes with what. But she would put everything in there and it was horrible. <laughs> but, but this was in South Africa. This presumably yeah. was in South Africa, a, a country <laughs> well known for the light touch of its, of its gastronomic culture. I know. Yeah. Great big slabs of steak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? What was it like growing up in South Africa in the nineteen whenever it was? Forties, nineteen forties. Well, Just after was, the war. you know, yeah. I mean, I was born in nineteen forty, um, and it was it was heaven for for. I mean, it was heaven for a privileged white child. Let's put it that way. I don't think it was heaven for everybody, yeah. but um, it was very safe, and it was very. I mean, it, it has the best weather in the world. We lived in Johannesburg, which has fantastic weather. It's 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 dry in the winter. It, it rains in the summer, but only in fo at four o'clock in the afternoon. It's like it's 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 perfect. <laughs> and you get those really exciting Joburg storms. I've spent my, yes, as you probably yeah. know, my mum's South African, so I've spent yeah, a lot yeah. of time there. And um, I remember going through a, f a period of deep frustration with living in this climate and saying, "I'm going. I'm moving to Johannesburg." And my mum said, "Why?" I said, "Well, the weather." It's the best climate. It is lovely climate. And, um, you know, and we lived outdoors. That was the point. I mean, I didn't, um, I mean, we never had television. Television didn't arrive in South Africa until the late 60s, so or 70s even. So I never saw um, any telly. And, in fact, when I came to England, I didn't have a telly. So I suppose I didn't, you know, I didn't see telly till, till it got to be colour telly. It's, it's a bit of an irony that you should become one of the sort of the grandees of television <laughs> in spite of being spared it in your youth. <laughs> it is the funniest thing. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. I'm about to do a, a sort of one-woman tour, um, you know, chattering on stage all over America and all over the UK. And, um, and the, I have more fans now in America than here. Wow. And because they are absolutely mad about Bake Off. I mean, Bake Off has just shoved me into a into a level of profile that you could never have dreamt of, and certainly not in your eighties. You know, you're you're supposed to be under the sod by the time you're eighty. <laughs> All I can say is, speaking personally, thank God you're not. <laughs> no, but there am I. I'm going to be prancing around stages, and I'm going. Um, next week to the states, and I'm going to do two tryouts in in LA and two in in New York, and um, we'll find we'll, and I've done four here, and they they work really well. 
What, what sort of shape do they take? What, how, how, what's sort of the programme? Is it you? It's me chattering away. I talk for an hour, okay. which is much the sort of thing that Matthew's done many times and I've done hundreds of times, which is rather like when you do literary festivals and you find yourself on a stage and there are lots of people and you just have to talk for a while and then you answer questions. Well, it's sort of like that, except because it's being properly produced and it has a, I have a, a, a director and a production company and they have all sorts of um, clips go on behind, you know, bits of my childhood and photographs from the past and, and cartoons and jokes and things all come up behind me while I'm talking. And um, so it's, it's much more nerve wracking because I have to get the timing right and I have to stick to the script, ah. which I'm not used to doing. I always go off script. <laughs> Start talking about something else. No. <laughs> no, I'm not. No, you're so, not. Pro. <laughs> um, so the first one I did, which was in Bath, I hated. I was so bad at it, and I was so frightened. And I just thought, what am I doing? I'm crazy, and I'm committed now to this whole tour next year around England. And um, Paul Hollywood said, "You're absolutely mad," because he's done one. And he said, um, it's absolutely draining and exhausting and, and he doesn't, would never do it again. So um, I thought, no, I'm going to do it. So, we, so I'm doing it. And then on, by the fourth night, I tell you, I was flying. I thought it was the best thing ever. I thought I was brilliant at it. I loved doing it. <laughs> and so I hope it stays that way. Yeah. Do, do, you take listener que- do you take audience questions? Yes, I do. I have to say they're slightly curated in the, in, because they come through a card. You know, people have to fill in the card because otherwise you get all the same questions. You know, people just want to know what color Paul Hollywood's eyes. They want to know whether his tan is real. They want to know, you know, they all, very much, lots of this exactly the same questions. So we don't just take them as they come. Yeah. We generally put all the Bake Off questions together and I rattle off the answers. And then, you know, what I like is if we, if we can get into some decent conversation with the audience, you know, and you're actually talking about, you know, some of my obsessions like teaching children to cook and hospital food. And I, thought, I seem to remember, didn't, didn't, your, didn't your campaigning days start with sandwiches on British Rail? Mm, yeah, <laughs> pretty, well. Back, <laughs> pretty well. Back in the day. I do like a good campaign, you know. I like to, <laughs> yes. I, I really like to bully people. <laughs> Into my way, I think. <laughs> well, I remember joining you actually on the, getting children to 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 cook and eat. I, I, I was trailed along in your wake for various meetings with various ministers and their flunkies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually, for a time, I think we did manage to sort of we change the, the 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 flow. You might say we did, we did, we did a lot of good work. And you just got to remember that because it is heartbreaking when you when working on a program is going really well the minister is behind it they're pouring money into it it's all going to happen or it's happening and then the minister gets the chop he gets moved to something else new minister comes in is not interested in his predecessor's good works because he won't get any credit for it so he cancels the program uses the money to launch Mm. some new scheme he's got which has nothing to do with what you want and it's out the window. Frustrating. It's frustrating. And at the moment, because I'm big into hospital food at the moment, I was so relieved when Sajid Javid took over hospital food um, because he just said, when I went to see him, he said, I, he said, I know why you've come in. You think I'm going to cancel Matt Hancock's plans. Um, but far from it, he said, I think you're doing exactly the right thing. Um, how can I help? I think we should put more effort into this, more money into it. You know, he was entirely 
Egypt. He said it was a dream. Well, of course, he's gone now. And now I've got coffee to deal with. So I don't know what she'll be like. <laughs> well, no doubt she'll be whipped into shape like all the others before the fall. <laughs> well, I've got, to get, I've got to get a meeting with her. That's the first thing. What's your, just on the hospital food, because I didn't know that this was something that you were involved with at the moment. What's, what's the end goal? What are you looking to try and change? Um, we produced a report, which was, took a long time, but it was really very thorough. And we came up with eight recommendations. And everybody on the committee, by the way, were people from the NHS who had already done good things in hospitals. And they knew how the system works. You know, I think nothing is more irritating to a kitchen than to have some fancy chef come in and tell them, you know, this is the right this is what you should be doing, you know. Mm. Um, anyway, so it, it was a really good report. We had eight recommendations, and they were all about everything you would expect. Um, the contracts for caterers have to be about quality and um, quality of food, and the chefs have to be properly trained. And that because you know, there's no training. There has been no training. There is now, but there was has, there was no training for chefs in. In the hospitals, and no prestige for them. No, no. We now have a hospital chef of the year, and all the stuff that makes chefs keen. And then they're about hospital facilities because it's really difficult to do a good job if the kitchen yes. is miles yeah. and miles away, and everything has to be sit in a trolley for hours. So it's about having um, kitchens nearer the wards. A lot of it is physical and needs um, needs time, and it'll take time to yeah. work through. But the most important uh, reform, I think, is in the past, uh, menus have been made up by the caterers. The nutritionists never talked to the caterers. They just sent them, um, you know, nutritional guidance. Um, and the nurses who, who, and the hospital assistants on the ward who serve it had nothing to do with anybody. So nobody was responsible. So now they're all put together. So they all have to work together. And that really helps. And there's staff feeding, for example. I mean, the staff working in a hospital, if you're on a, on a night shift, um, you don't, you know, 12 hour shift, you don't want your dinner coming out of a, yeah. a, a vending machine, which only sells chocolate bars and cold drinks. So it's about good food, hot food, fresh food for the staff as well as everybody else. And so far, the, NHS has accepted every single one of our recommendations and they're busy implementing them. I just don't want anybody to stop yeah, us. Yeah, of course. <laughs> All I can say is, oh, God help anybody who stands in your oh, way. Oh, darling, that's not true. I know because I've been there. <laughs> is, this, is there anything that you, you, know, you would like to do that you haven't done already? Oh, Matthew, of course, there are 10, 20 things I still want to do. But... But I think the thing that I've always wanted to do and have never succeeded in, although I've been so close so often, is I want one of my novels, preferably my trilogy, to end up on the screen. And the, my trilogy of novels, which is, starts, in, um, you know, it starts in the war with an illegitimate baby, and so on. So it's, a, quite a, it's a three-generational melodrama, really, and, and three lots of love stories. And I think it would be, it's sort of, it's, it's all about the, the development of food since the war. So it's, there's a lot of historical food stuff in there. But it's really kind of um, Downton meets Bake Off, I suppose, is what <laughs> I'd like to describe it as. And if only I could get the commissioners to see it as I see it, um, it would happen. But um, 
Very far on that. Well, if anyone is listening into this, just pay attention, please. This is this is a, a winner, a, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a winner. We have we have one other area I think that, that that we have in common, which we haven't mentioned, is that you have an, an adopted daughter. And so my daughter, I am an adopted daughter, yes. She is an adopted daughter. Yeah, yeah. And do you know my adopted daughter has an adopted son and is currently hoping for another adopted son. Oh, how son. incredible. And I must say, Lois was your and Lindsay's only child? Yeah. Only child. Um so this didn't arise for you, but when we were thinking of adopting Lida, I was absolutely terrified that I wouldn't love her as much as I mm. loved Daniel because Daniel was already there and he was a year, year old by then. And I thought, this is going to be so unfair. She's always going to be second best and so on. Anyhow, we went ahead and adopted her. And, you know, from the first minute, I never, ever thought that again. I never, I think I'm probably close. In fact, I'm definitely closer to Lida than I am mm. to Daniel. There was never. I used to have those sort of nightmares of, you know, who would I save if, um, if I, we, in a burning boat, you know, who would I save? And and once she was there, the answer would be, well, I'd save the nearest, <laughs> whoever you could grab. Well, it wouldn't be a choice. You know. Well, I'm rather relieved that I wouldn't have that choice. I was only the only one, and. I would, you know, it would be it would be an easy thing to do. Well, why not? Yeah, I think why, it's why um, it's funny because unless you've been through the adoption process from from either side, and probably caveat with been through a, a good had a good adoption experience, because there are of course some that aren't, then yeah. it's hard for anyone to understand that that connection is just uh, no different to any other. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and yeah. I certainly feel whether I can have my own children or not, I would like to adopt at some point because I just think it's a wonderful thing to be able to do. And there are so many children out there that need loving homes. And, and you know, it's not something to be really to be frightened of because the connection, yeah. you realise connections are yeah, not, you know, they're not genetic. No, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. And um, I'm delighted that you're, you're thinking like that. Lida certainly has always wanted to adopt Um and then she she actually got breast cancer, and so she couldn't. In the end, she couldn't have children. But yeah. she'd always been. She was always going to adopt anyway, so that wasn't a problem for her. Yeah, I, I can remember the first time that when when Lois, who, who comes from Columbus, Ohio, and Lindsay and I went out there to, to to pick her up, and I can remember for the first time holding her in my arms in yeah. the in the suite in the Ramada Inn in downtown Columbus, Ohio. And I remember these little they, up blue eyes they, looking up at me like that and me yeah. peering down at, at Lois and I could feel her thumb coming down on the on back of my neck and it's been there ever since. <laughs> oh, no, but, but it is true. It is true. that And that amazing connection, amazing yeah. connection. Yeah. We've got a couple of, we've asked our listeners, we told them that we were going to speak to you. We've asked our listeners if they've got a few questions. So maybe we'll run through a couple. Um, so this one, of course, a lot of them are Great British Menu uh, related. Uh, this one is from an account called Slice. Um, and they ask, on your time at Great British Menu, who was your favourite chef? Or if you'd rather not say that, your favourite dish that you tasted? 
I think, funnily enough, I think my favorite chef is probably still my favorite chef, and he's been around for a hundred years, not quite as long as me, I must say, is Richard Corrigan. Ah. And I just, I <laughs> just adore it. I love his food. Exactly. It's real food. It's, um, you know, he starts with the idea of really good ingredients. He's fantastic at fish. Um, I, I still think his um, wine bar, I mean, oyster bar, what's it called? Bentley's. No. No, it's not Bentley's, is it? Bentley's, Bentley's, yes. It is Bentley's, Bentley's, yeah. Yes, it but is Bentley's, Bentley's Oyster Bar. Street. It's just such a lovely place mm. to go. The staff are old-fashioned and charming and lovely to you, and the food is just wonderful. So I like, and, and Richard Corrigan makes me laugh. He is the guy who got me eating oysters because, I don't know if you remember, Matthew, but the, the one and only time they gave us a wrap party, a decent, really good wrap party, was after the first series. <laughs> And Matt and, and yes. Richard had been one of the winners. And he came to this party with a great silver tray of oysters from his restaurant. And he went around giving everybody oysters. And he came to me and I said, oh, no, sorry, sorry, Richard, I don't eat oysters. And he said, what? <laughs> Call yourself a foodie? <laughs> open your mouth. <laughs> open your mouth. And he made me open my mouth and he shoved an oyster in it. And, you know, I just thought, 50 years worth of oyster eating that I have missed. I've missed 50 years. So since then, I've been making up for it. Why hadn't you, why hadn't you eaten them before? I don't know. I, I just, um, I, I was once taken out to dinner by a, a, a young guy who I rather fancied. And he, he offered me a plate of oysters. And I was about 18. And I was, I was not going to pretend I mean, I was not going to admit that I'd, no, I'd never seen an oyster. And I thought they looked absolutely disgusting. Yeah. And I didn't know how to eat the one of them. But I said, oh, I love oysters, because I thought I had to be grown up. And so after a while, he said, you don't really like oysters, do you? And I said, oh, I love them. What makes you think I don't like them? He said, I've never seen anybody wrap them up in a piece of brown bread and swallow them whole. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to get them down without touching them. (laughs) That's so funny. Well, then maybe, so maybe tastes, tastes obviously change, because then you like them with, no, but I think, you see, what, what Richard said to me was, open your mouth. And then he said, chew, chew. And the point is to chew an oyster. If you just swallow it, it's just a slimy thing. But if you chew it, it's the most delicious texture. And then you get the flavor, which, well, you, you, you like oysters, don't you, Matt? I, lo- I love oysters. I'm afraid to say my attempts to get Lois to love an oyster have ended in total failure. You need Richard. <laughs> well, and also total embarrassment. What was that restaurant, Dad, in Whiteley's that we used to go to uh, a lot? Was, um, was no, it Rowley? Yes, it was the yeah, Cafe Anglais. Lee. And I went and I thought, I've, you know, I've tried the odd oyster in South Africa and, you know, they're, they're the ones that come straight from the sea where our house is and, and they're, they're quite big and quite hardcore and that's never gone down well. I thought, okay, here's time to try a oyster in a sophisticated restaurant and I'm sure it'll be the best oyster that I can have and... I, you know, I, I popped it in my mouth and I gave it a good go. And then to my shock and horror in the middle of the restaurant, completely without any control, it shot out about four feet away from my mouth. <laughs> and it would not let me swallow it. But maybe I didn't chew. So I'm, I'm, maybe I'll give it another go. Do you have another question, darling? I do. Yes. Yeah. So um, Lisa wants to know, what is your favourite place to eat in Paris? Oh, goodness. I haven't eaten in Paris for so long. I think I'd like one of those, you know, old-fashioned brasseries on the le- left bank, you know, mm. towards Chicago. 
Right. What would you What would you eat? What's What's a classic French dish that you would well, order? You know what? I always used to order in Paris a lot, um, which is is more um, Alsatian than um, French, but it's that choucroute garni, you know, which is basically sauerkraut yeah. with a great big um, mm. smoked sausage, boiled potatoes, and a bit of bacon. God, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Delicious. Choucroute yeah. garni, garnished choucroute. Followed by followed by a cake from the Bake Off. That sounds to be absolutely perfect. <laughs> Good, yeah. And then lastly, only because I'll get in trouble if I don't ask this, because it's a question from someone you both know. It's Kelly, your makeup artist. Yeah, well, I don't think Prue was there when Kelly. Oh, maybe Prue. Prue you weren't yeah. there. Well, uh, Kelly wants no. to know from you, Prue. Was Matthew always so funny and full of beans behind the scenes? When he wasn't snoring next to me, yeah. <laughs> <That is laughs> I could, I could hear, I could hear you sleeping between when when I was tapping away. We we had little rooms, but they were divided with a piece of canvas, yes. right? Yes, weren't they? And so, no, he is. Uh, Matthew's always been good. For me, <laughs> always. And uh, and I hope always will. And one and one final question, nothing to do with with anything else. But we've got a section we're we're calling dirty dishes. All right. Okay, so dirty dishes. this is what what would you eat when no one is looking? When John's got his back turned and you just <laughs> want something, you know, to give you an instant hit. What do you eat? What do you reach for? I can think of. A, well, that's very difficult. Um, I mean, what I normally um, reach for, but it, it, it's, it's too boring for this program. It's just that I, what I am addicted to is Greek yogurt, and I'll eat it. Um, you know, I just put honey and almonds on top of it and straight out of the fridge, or I'll dollop it on top of it, almost any soup, <laughs> and I like it in, a, in any way possible. I think that's perfectly acceptable. Oh, right. I'm not sure it's dirty, but no. it is, it is un- yeah. undeniably. It's what you reach for from the one that what, little kick of comfort. Yes, exactly. I think the only thing that we wanted to just touch on was in relation to your book, Dad. You wanted to have a quick talk about bread, didn't you? Oh yeah, let's. Well, I want actually. I've got a very serious question. Right now, when it comes to toast, should it be cut on the diagonal or on the square? I don't think it matters a toss. <laughs> This is this is this is. I can hardly believe here what I'm saying, what I'm hearing. You're a diagonal man, I imagine. (laughs) Well, the point is about diagonals. You see, is you pick it up very daintily by the corner, and you can slide the other corner easily into your mouth. Whereas if you cut it on the square, it's much more difficult to get your mouth round it, and and then the contents cascade down your front. Um, well, you know what I would like to say about bread? One of the things that, uh, when I was doing this book, of course, I thought I can't just put everything on whole meal, you know, sliced bread or on a baguette or something. So we started, um, I just deliberately thought, well, I'll look at all the breads that there are in the supermarkets. And it's amazing now. I think they're influenced so much by all those artisan bakers who make wonderful sourdough. Yeah. And, and lockdown has got everybody baking. So everybody's much more interested in bread now. And so I thought, well, we'll have some on focaccia and some on sourdough and some on you know, walnut bread and seeded bread and wholemeal bread and everything. And actually, I don't, I don't want anybody to think that this is prescriptive that they have to do that of course they don't they can put any bread they like but so many of us are so boring about bread we make the same bread every single week and and never change it or we buy the same bread every week what do you do Matthew do you have 
Um, well, I, 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 uh, well, I don't make my own bread, I'm afraid to say. Yeah. I, I buy it. But I think that there is a point here is that um, toast isn't just you know, the piece of uh, the mighty white you know, bugged no, in the no. toaster. It has an almost infinite series of, once you look at it in the right way, as you have, infinite series of manifestations from nan to flatbreads to, yeah. to, to pizza, if you like. Yeah, and so, yeah. so, yes, I mean, it's, it's actually thinking, ah, toast. Toast isn't just toast. Yeah, it's toast for something underneath bread, underneath. It's a vehicle, isn't it? It's a carrier, yeah. yeah. And um, a brilliant one. And funnily enough, that, that picture on the front, which is of a mozzarella in carrozza, or you might say fried cheese toasty, <laughs> a fried, a fried cheese toasty. Um, when we were trying to find a, decide what picture to put on the front, and, and the pictures are lovely because they're, I mean, when I first planned this book, I was thinking of little iPhone snaps of what I'd cooked, but the publishers said, no, 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 we have to have you know, proper photographer. And so they did these really beautiful pictures, and um, there are 75 of them, and I thought, well, how do we choose one for the front? And imagine that everybody would want something that very colourful and um, rather sophisticated. And um, actually, everyone wanted the cheese toasty because I said, choose the one that makes your mouth water. Yeah. And yes. of course... It's always going to be the cheese toasty. Isn't Absolutely. It? So, there's, so it's got a cheese toasty. And in fact, nobody has pointed out... Um, yeah, that that is not actually on toast. It's in toast. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a there'll be, there'll be there'll be some grammarian out there somewhere. <laughs> That's okay. not on toast. <laughs> Maybe it's bliss in toast. Anyway, Prue, can I say thank you so much? It's been such a joy talking to you, uh, <laughs> and to it's been such fun. And it's um, you know and. All it means now that I, it's it's before lunch, so I know what to go. I've got the book. I'll go out and make myself a, a taste. Something on t- bliss. On I, I have to say, I'm I am genuinely going to do the same thing. We've currently got three different types of bread downstairs, so I'm looking forward to going and seeing which one takes my fancy. Good, good, good. <laughs> Thank you so much, Prue. Bye bye. Bye bye, darlings. And, bye. And good luck. Good luck with the show. Thank you. <laughs> I can't help feeling that the more you talk to Prue, the more there is to talk about. Next time, it's going to be just us two, and we will be talking about all things comfort food, or comfort food, we could say. (laughs) Too clever by half, if you don't mind my saying. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Feel free to send in your thoughts, recipes, experience and stories. We'd love to hear some of your best comfort dishes. It gives me a warm feeling already. (laughs) 